0: Pastor Mike and Cindy are gone, um, doing some vacationing as well as funeral and a wedding. So they're busy. And uh, Pastor Mike asked if I would give the message one of the next two weeks. And uh, I looked at the next portion of scripture and I was like, yes, I will. <laughs> it was kind of a setup. Um, if you know me, and the youth know me better than probably the congregation, but. Um, Just an area that I love to speak about is evangelism, and uh, it just so happened to be be after the Beatitudes that we've been in Matthew 5 with is believers being the salt and light to the world. So when Pastor Mike asked me to speak, I jumped on it because, um, well, I couldn't resist that. So that was a setup. So I'm just going to pray again, and then we're going to open our scripture to Matthew 5. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it's life, that it's living and active in our lives. Lord, again, I pray and echo what Sam prayed, that um, you would just give me your words and use me as just a vessel this morning. and um, Just speak to our hearts this morning that we may respond to you and your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a Bible or a phone or a tablet or however you read your Bible, um, you can open it to Matthew chapter 5, and we are picking up where Mike left off, and um, we're in chapter 5, verse 13. And I'm just going to start out by reading 13 through 16 here when you get there. I'm reading from the New King James because I just, I don't know, I, I was reading with the NIV and then I was reading in the New King James this week, and something about the New King James is kind of Stuck out to me, so I'm going to go with it. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do the light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it give, gives light to who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. I found it interesting that Jesus is speaking to believers here. He's speaking to his disciples. And his disciples, he refers to them as salt. So I used to be a teacher, and I can't help it. I had to bring out some props. (laughs) And salt, I was like, I'm going to assume that Jesus was speaking about table salt. You know, there's different combinations of what we call salt, but let's just go with the fact that he was thinking of table salt. And what is table salt? It's a combination of sodium and chloride. A positive sodium and negative chloride create this ionic bond, and it's very a very stable bond in its crystallized form. And um, salt is really pungent to the flavor, right? It only takes a little bit. takes one little... It only takes one little pebble of salt to flavor a plate of food. But what happens to salt to lose its saltiness? What does it have to do to lose that flavor? Water is salt's worst enemy. Salt has to go through a reaction. It has to go through a dilution. And either water or electricity has to be added to salt, for it to react and lose its flavor. And water has a way of diluting salt in its pungent flavor. And I just want to take a little while this morning to look at what does it mean for you and I as believers in Christ to lose our flavor? How do we lose our flavor Why did Jesus warn the disciples here? He isn't talking to the multitudes here. He's talking to believers, and he's warning them, don't lose your saltiness. I almost actually, um, I almost labeled my message, keep your saltiness. But then I was like, you know what? Um, In our culture, like if you're like, she was a little salty, that's not exactly a good thing. So then I was like, oh, maybe we'll go with keeping your flavor because I don't want anyone walking out here being like, she told me to be salty. (laughs) No, 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 in a good way. But keeping your flavor um, and not letting us get watered down and diluted. And uh, it says, and this is just the word, it says, it is good for nothing but to be thrown out. And trampled underfoot by men. Ouch. You know, that's kind of a harsh word. He's warning his beloved friends that, listen, if you lose your flavor, your saltiness, you're good for nothing. Yikes. So I just want to take a moment and, and uh, talk about that and how that happens. See, we're not called to be watered-down Christians. Warning, believers, we are not called to be watered down, diluted. Actually, we're called to be different than the world. We're called to be different than the world. And the world is defined as a few different ways. And this is a little bit, can be kind of confusing when you're reading through Scripture. They're always throwing out this term world. Well, I think it's slide five. I have the three different types of world we talk about in Scripture. Is One, the physical world that God created. Right? This is what he spoke into being. It's our physical surroundings. And then the second type of world we look at in scripture is the inhabitants of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? So that world is the people that he created. And he died for every single one of us. He loves the world. He loves the people of the world. And the third type of world we're looking at here is this worldly system that the scripture can allude to. And this worldly, worldly system is actually influenced by the enemy. We know that the prince of this world is Satan. And with those uh, different types of world, it's just important to keep that in mind, that God came to the world and died for the world, but we're not of the world. Get your mind spinning a little bit. But when you define it a little bit that way, you can understand he came to the world that he created to love the world so that we're not of the world. And um, God and Jesus is speaking of the fact that, you know what, we are supposed to be a light in the world. It's going to be different. It's going to be contrasting to the darkness, the systems, the evil of the world. And uh, Paul, Paul also refers to us as believers as lights. And I want to turn there as well to Philippians. First of all, I'd like to say for a second that Paul is not someone that was deluded. He obviously had a radical conversion. So maybe that's why he was like all or nothing style. But he wasn't deluded. I mean, he's like, I used to kill Christians, and now I'm a believer, so I'm going to spend most of my life getting stoned and thrown into jail. Um, But he was all or nothing, and that's what I love about Paul. He also refers to believers being as a light. He's writing to the believers in Philippi and Philippians, and he refers to believers as lights as well. Let's turn there. We're going to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Verses 14 through 16. Paul writes this letter to the believers from jail. So he is someone that you can accredit to being a sold-out Christian. We're going to start in 14 through 16. It says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless, And harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He refers to us as lights that shine in the world. And how? How do we shine? in a crooked and perverse generation he thought that of his time i can th- i mean it doesn't take long sometimes for us to turn on the news or see what's going on around us and like oh sometimes we can describe the generation around us as crooked and perverse what's taking place but how do we be a light bearer in this generation it says hold fast to the word of life. What is the word of life? And you and I, life. The word of life is the word of God. The word of life is the word of God. How are we going to be different than the world systems and culture around us? It's by holding fast to the word of God. Holding fast is something that I don't use a lot, but holding fast in scripture also, it says, to hold, to fix our eyes on, to set our intentions on, to set our eyes on the Word of God. Only that is the real way that we can be a light in the darkness. You know, we can read and read and read the Word of God, but like the Pharisees did, they read it and memorized it, and recited it, and studied it. But it all stayed up here in their heads. It was knowledge. They had a knowledge of God. They would even say they believed in the Father God, the God of Abraham and Isaac, right? They believed. But what the Pharisees were missing was the living, active, transformational aspect of the word of God that goes from your mind to your heart. And that's, that is is how we can be a light in the darkness, is holding fast, letting the word not only read it, but let it transform our inner man. And I have to pause right here before I continue the rest of the sermon and say that The only way you can be a salt and light in the world around you is if you know the creator of salt, the one who spoke light into being. And so if you're here this morning and you're just like, geez, you know, I grew up in church my whole life. I maybe even got confirmed and baptized. And um, I, I maybe am like the Pharisees where it's just all up here. You could probably outquote scripture with me, but it's all up here. And you don't know for a fact that you know the living God in your heart. You don't know for a fact that, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, it takes acknowledging in our heads and our believing in our hearts that Jesus died and he rose again and we love him and we entrust our life to him. If you're here this morning and something in your heart is pitter pattering and you're like, I don't know for a fact, then I know what that girl's talking about. I don't know for a fact that if I go to heaven tomorrow, Lord willing, that you would be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven because you know in your heart this Jesus we're talking about. He's more than a prayer. He's more than a baptism. He's more than um, every church service you've attended. He's your friend. He's your personal Savior. He died for you. If you don't know that, I want to take a second right now with eyes shut, every eye shut. And I'm going to pray. And if there's something in your heart that says, I don't know Jesus like she's talking about, I don't know the Father God in a living and active transformational way, I've never repented and said, Listen, I am a sinner. And I need you, Lord Jesus, in my life. If you've never done that, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray right now. And in your heart, you can whisper it. You can respond um, quietly in your head. But if you're ready and you're willing and you want that relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to do this right now. Just with every eye shut, just raise up your hand to me just so I can see no one else. Is there anyone here? Good. Is there anyone here that even needs to recommit? You've done this many years ago, but listen, you're sitting here and your heart's pounding. You know you need a personal Jesus in your life today. Good. 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 Well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Father God, we come to you right now. These individuals right now say, I am a sinner. I have fallen short. But Father, you sent your one and only Son so that ever who believes and trusts gives their life to you has eternal life. So God, I pray right now that they're saying yes in their hearts right now to you. Father, they want to live for you forever. Forgive them of their sins. Holy Spirit, indwell their lives. Word Activate their hearts so they may live with you forever, eternally, eternally in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. That's exciting. (laughs) If you raised your hand, and I just want you to do one thing tell someone before you leave. I'm not going to make you come up here. But tell a friend, tell me, tell someone, hey, I recommitted, I gave my life to Christ today because you know what, we're not meant to do this alone. Jesus had disciples. Even he wanted companionship. We're not meant to do this alone. Okay, so now I can go forward in the message because, listen, you can't be the salt and light to the world if you don't know the maker of salt and light, right? And so now I can address you all as believers because you were given the opportunity to give your life to Christ and be a believer. So we're going back to addressing believers, and Jesus is addressing the believers here and challenging them to not lose their saltiness. <laughs> I just like that word. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can be salty, Chris would say, amen. Um, But yeah, don't lose your saltiness um, and become deluded. And Jesus talks about this also in John 15 when he says, you know what, you are going to be hated. You are going to be hated by the world because you are not of the world. We're going to be hated for the name of Jesus Christ at some point in our lives. We're going to be loved because of his name sometimes, but we're also going to be hated for his name. So be prepared for that. New believers that raised your hand in church this morning, when you go all out for Jesus, you're going to be loved, and you're going to be hated sometimes. But Jesus warned of that in John. Our calling, our calling as Christians is to be the beacons of light in this dark world. I lost my spot. <laughs> um, so John speaks of this, right? To be not of the world. Um, what? What are the causes of being deluded? What causes us to be deluded? Well, I came up with three things to be deluded, and these things, the enemy is behind these three things. He wants to keep believers as ineffective, useless, good for nothing, thinking that about ourselves. You know, he wants us to be walking around just totally ineffective. That's his goal. So he'll use anything he can, any tactic, anything in our lives to wear us down. So we're ineffective for the kingdom of God. These are three things that I came up with that I could see that dilutes our effectiveness. The first one, and I had to do this, guys. You can take me out of the school, but you can't take the school out of me. Okay, so so the first one is sin. Patterns of sin. And if I put a little salt in our mixture, because we know Jesus, we're believers. But we're caught in a pattern of sin. And you know what? There's all these, you know, hot topic buttons. But let's talk about the sins that so easily entangle us. You know, in Hebrews it says, let us throw off everything that hinders, every sin that so easily entangles us, and let us set our eyes on the race set before us, right? So let us throw off everything that easily entangles us, the sin that so easily entangles us. And I know we all sin. I know we all sin. But listen, these patterns of sin, these sins that come in and you feel bad the first time you do it, but over a year's time you're becoming calloused, those are the sins that I'm talking about that dilute your effectiveness in the world. You're trying to be a salt and light to the world, but yet you are the lead ringer. <laughs> Maybe that's not a word. Uh, the lead ring leader. <laughs> there you go. And the gossip table downtown. You're trying to be a salt and light to the world, but every single week you're tipsy at the local bars. Shoot. You're trying to be a salt and light to the world, but you cuss like a sailor at work when things don't go right. Whatever it is, this sin that so easily entangles you will dilute your effectiveness. It does two things. It does two things for you. It separates you from that intimate relationship that Christ wants for you, which is bad enough because he just so wants to be in total fellowship with you. But then secondly, secondly, it, it waters down your testimony because soon you're becoming more and more looking like the world around you, that world that we're called out of to not be up. The second thing that I see dilutes a Christian's passion and flavor is these are the good things. This is where it was a dagger in my heart preparing. We can call them passions, distractions, busyness, whatever you want is your personal favorite hobby of choice. Those things, if they are not set underneath your primary purpose in life to love God and make him known, can become a dilution to your effectiveness in the world. If you spend hours a week golfing, if you spend hours of a week working out, if you spend hours and hours each week Thinking about something, devoting your time and your talents to something that you're not using for ministry and for the Lord. It can dilute your effectiveness. What's really cool is when people figure out that the God-given talents and the callings and the interests were from God, so then they use those things to advance the kingdom. Now that's where it's at. But if you're using those things as distractions from God, then the enemy is using those. The enemy can become behind them. Um, I have to be careful here because, like, if I do something, I just, like, really like to do it, you know. Like, I'm not going to golf if I don't take lessons and get the best clubs and, like, be out there three times a night, you know, or a week, you know. Or I don't, like, sign up for a committee without realizing that I want to volunteer to be, like, the chairman or something. Like, you know, it's one of those things where you, like, if you're going to do something, you just really want to do it. But you have to be so careful in that. Because if it's taking all of your time and your effort and your um, undivided attention and and the Lord isn't in it, then the enemy is using it. What good is it? The third thing that dilutes a Christian's effectiveness is deception. Deception, and I did not know what to label this one, but deception is something that we get bombarded with through what I talked about, the world systems. You are easily deceived if you're not holding fast to the word of God, like I talked about earlier. It says be a light to the world by holding fast to the word of life. Well, if you're not fixing your eyes on the things of above, if you're not fixing your eyes on the word of life, deception creeps into your heart. And how does it do that? We are just bombarded with lies, flat-out lies. Makes me kind of angry. When you turn on the news, when you open up a magazine, when you're out and about with friends or family that aren't believers, we're just bombarded with lies, blatant lies, but they can look nice and friendly and fun. And that type of deception creeps in when we're not grounded and rooted in the word of God pretty soon we start thinking and believing in our heart lies, lies that we think are truth. That's a way to dilute your effectiveness because you know what? A believer that is full of sin, patterns of sin, a believer that is so distracted in their worldly passions, and a believer that is being bombarded with deceptions from the world is getting diluted, to the point that they don't look any different than the people that don't know Jesus. And I'm not standing up here to make us all feel bad. We almost need Pastor Bob up here next week to get this back, uh, grace and forgiveness through Jesus, which is all true. I'm not trying to make us feel bad, all right? What I'm trying to do is point out the fact that if we are not careful, we can become deluded and not even know it. And why this matters so much to Jesus is because, listen, we are his plan. We are his plan. Who is supposed to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son? Who is supposed to do that? It's us. It's you and me. People that raised your hands this morning, you didn't even know. But now you have a responsibility to share the hope that's in you to other people. It's our calling. It's our commission. And yet, if we're diluted with all of this junk, we're not just disservicing ourselves in the beautiful, intimate relationship that we have with our Father, but we're not affecting anyone in our lives. And how sad! How sad. That's not our calling. And to stay pure, to fulfill our calling, we have to set our eyes on God, to fix our gaze on his truth, on the word of truth. Our calling is to be, like Jesus said in Matthew, you know, I talked a lot about salt and being diluted, but he also refers to us as lights. Well, a light needs oil. A light needs fuel. A light needs electricity. And that electricity and that fuel that keeps our lamp burning is Jesus and our relationship with him and his word. And so we need to continue going back to that to be refueled. You know, it is our call to be what the Beatitudes were talking about, what Pastor Mike was speaking of, to be peacemakers, to be humble, to be merciful, to be full of love and compassion, a city on a hill, hope for the hopeless, peace for the distressed. All of these things that Jesus is talking about is absolutely impossible Impossible in our human nature. Without the Holy Spirit living and dwelling and working out of you. That's something that we can't fake. Listen, there's people around us every single day that just need a touch from him. If you're in a school, I think about kids that would come into my room that their parents had just a blowout fight the last, last night. They were scared. They just needed, they just needed the light of Christ in their life. They needed me to hug them and tell them that you're precious in his sight. Amen? If you're in the workplace and you're sitting next to someone in a cubicle that is just miserable, they're so miserable. Maybe they're even miserable to be around. (laughs) But listen, they need the hope of Jesus in their life. I was sitting or talking to Ben this week, and he, I'm sorry to just call you out on this, but this is good. He was in here and he was just talking about, oh, yeah, and she was in my office, and I just got an opportunity to pray with her again. Awesome, right? That's not something you can fake. We can, I've, I've done this, okay. All right, all right. Casey, you, you know, she riled me up. I'm going to go out and be in the salt and light. Yeah. You know, and you go out there for about two days and you get knocked down, right? Listen, it's not something you can fake. If there's one thing that you need to do when you go home today is just become more in love with the Father God. Glorify him. Praise him. Dwell on his name. Wake up in the morning singing a song. Because that will overflow out of you. It's not something you can produce. You can, but it won't be effective. I've tried it. Okay? Your love with the maker, father, God, will overflow out of your heart when you love him. When you know that you're his child and you have something to share with the world, that will overflow out of you. Naturally. I want you to think about what the people around you think of you. I don't know. You should ask them, too. Sometimes it's humbling. But um, ask them, you know, what, I mean, they might know your interests. If they know your interests and all of this stuff, but they don't know that you just love Jesus, there's something wrong. If they know that you just love coffee and pink and everything girly, but they don't know that you just love Jesus, Evaluate, evaluate what is diluting your testimony. Because these things in our lives, they keep us from our calling. And everyone asked me, "How do you know your calling?" And I was like, "You know, what? it can be complicated. You can make, you know, mission statements, and you all have unique giftings, and all of that can go into. But we all have one calling, and that's to worship Jesus Christ." and to make him known. It's so simple. So wherever you're at, and whatever job you're placed, whatever hobby, or home moms group, or ladies Bible study in the community, wherever you're at, the people around you are your mission field. So you can smile, and hug them, and pray for them, You can tell them that they're more than what they think of themselves. You can tell them about the grace that we're under now. We're not under condemnation anymore. We're under grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. You have a hope that they don't have. And it's your responsibility to share that. And it's not something we have to carry and strive for is something that flows out of a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't do it, who's going to? Listen, we're called to be the salt and light. And if you lose your flavor, who's going to reach them? This world is in so desperate need for you to be salty. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you, Lord. I pray that you would challenge us. Lord, you challenged me (laughs) over and over again. You challenged me, Father. And I pray that we will leave wanting to know you more. God, I pray if we walk out of here today, there's one thing we want to do more of, and that is read your word and let it transform our inner man. I pray that we would go here today and press into you in the words of life that you've spoken over each and every one of us, because out of a love for you flows the passion to share your name with other people. I pray that every single one of us, Lord, would keep our flavor, would keep our passion, would keep Lord, that fire burning, and we would set our eyes, fix our eyes on the word of life so that we can be the salt and the light that Jesus calls us to in Matthew. Lord, I thank you that a few people today responded to you for the first or maybe another time in their lives, God. We thank you that we have more believers in your kingdom. I pray that every single one of us would walk out of here more in love with you, and ready to share you with the world. In Jesus' name, amen.